Yes. Man, what a couple weeks, huh? Where you guys been? I was here every weekend. You were not here. I cannot believe what we've been through. Uh, it is crazy. Uh, this is actually kind of surreal for me because this weekend, this exact weekend five years ago, was when I was announced as the new lead pastor. And uh, it was, I took the job on the back end of Hurricane Irma. Uh, and so here we are. And they did not put this in the job description. They didn't put it on the brochure. We didn't talk at all about this. And so um, uh, those of you watching online from somewhere else, uh, you know what we've been through. We're still trying to figure it out. Uh, but I want to tell you, man, if I have ever had a moment, if I've ever had a time where I w- I've never been more proud to be a follower of Jesus, I've never been more proud to be a part of a church, I've never been more proud to be a part of the kingdom of God, to say that I'm a part of the body of Christ, it is right now what we, what God did through us, what God allowed us to be a part of, and the scope and the impact that we as a church have had in our community and even the story that's being told nationally because of every single one of you who volunteered, who showed up, who rallied. Um, you guys have made Jesus famous and proud in our city, in our region, in our nation. And I have to give the biggest thanks and shout out to you guys uh, because you are an incredible church and I am one proud pastor this weekend. So uh, just, just so you haven't aware, you've heard about it, you probably saw us on Facebook, some of you are not, um, or Instagram, but... Um, conservatively, we think we served well over 200,000 people over the course of 12 days on our campus, not to mention going to Pine Island, North Fort Myers, Southeast Cape Coral. Um, and so what we've done is we are still, and for a long time, we are in the hurricane relief effort. But you need to know that we have shifted. Phase one for us was immediate response, generators, gas, water, food. We did that for 12 days, and we said until Cape Coral gets most of its power back, and that's where we are. So the last couple of days, we have refocused to phase two. Phase two now is the long game. It's long-term remediation, roofs, uh, debris, um, working with, with organizations that help us to rebuild our city and move back to, to, to kind of what felt a little bit like normal. And so we're in the process of doing that. Now we have um, churches, we have teams, we have um, groups coming from around the country down here to help us with the long-term stuff. In fact, we already had a team from Texas and Alabama here this week. There's a different team from Nebraska getting in um, from my home church back home that'll be in tonight to help us this weekend. And so um, I want to just take a minute and talk about what does moving forward look like? Because we're not going to go back to normal, but we're going to start talking about moving forward. And, and we are uniquely, divinely, even strategically positioned to really help a lot of people if we continue to do what we've done. We, we don't believe that God um, built this momentum just so we could have 12 great days in our community. But this is the beginning of, of something even bigger that he already had in mind, and it's going to require all of us. And so um, let me give you four kind of four practical things. Let's talk about the practical stuff just for a minute. Um, if you are somebody who you need help in your home, if you haven't gotten your debris out, maybe you're, you're elderly, maybe your kids are gone, maybe it's just you've been taking care of your business and you still got stuff all over your yard or your lanai or whatever, you need a tree taken out, you need um, some people to come tarp a roof, we want to help you. And so if you need help, we created immediately, our staff is unbelievable, but we created a system where you can get in our system and we will send somebody to you ASAP. And so if you or a neighbor or somebody you know needs a team to come help your house or your home, we just want you to text the word KPC to 94,000 like you heard a minute ago. You're going to select option two and there's a really easy form for you to fill out. It gets you right in our system and we have every single day, not only are we doing stuff here, but we are helping um, houses and communities. Uh, if you go to church here, great. If you don't, great. I just did a, a, a report with ABC News yesterday and I told them about this. So Tuesday night, our whole city's going to know about this. Um, 
And so if you need help, we got you, um, which means um, we're going to continue to need volunteers and, and people who want to help long term be the good neighbors, uh, love justice, do mercy, all the be kind stuff that we embody. Um, and so if you need help, you can do that. If you want to help, there's going to be lots of opportunities to help. In fact, we've even created kind of a new department for long term disaster relief that's coordinating teams and volunteers. Uh, we have a pastor over it. We're looking to bring somebody else on to help administrate it. And so if you want to help, you can help. You can come as an individual and, and give us a few hours a day. If you or your small group wants to come do a project, you can do that. We have churches and teams coming from around the country to do that. So if you want to help, you also can keep texting Cape Vol to 94,000. We redid a really simple form and it just says, here's what I can do. Here's when I'm coming and let me know what I need to know. And so uh, if you need help, we got you. If you want to help, we want to continue to do this. I think the worst thing that we could do is just kind of assume everybody else has got it and come back to having our nice little worship services and our small groups. I know you wouldn't do that, but I want to let you know, like we want to keep the same kind of mindset of we're still going out into the streets. We're going to continue to be the church. It's just going to look a little different because on campus, it'll look more normal, but we're still going to be doing stuff in our community. Does that sound good to you guys? Okay, good. Also, we are going to do everything we can to help everybody. And unfortunately, in times like this, there are people that are going to come from other parts of the country to try to take advantage of this opportunity to cheat and scam people. I hate saying that it's true, but it is. And so we actually want to help you get the help you need, not get scammed, uh, not give money to the wrong fake insurance company. And so this next Friday night at 6 p.m. right here, we are going to have a re recovery resource forum. It's not a town hall, but we have insurance agents coming, adjusters coming. Um, our mayor is a, a licensed contractor, and he's a aggress uh, Mayor Gunter's uh, agreed to come help us with this as well from the contracting standpoint. And we're going to bring resources, uh, FEMA rep, uh, that can help you to know who to say yes to, who to say no to, how, how to make sure that if you pay for a new roof, it's the right amount of money and you're actually going to get a new roof. Because unfortunately, that's not everybody's story from last time. In fact, we're going to have um, booths out in the courtyard next weekend to help you with that, even look at contracts. So we want to do that. That's next Friday night right here at 6 p.m., just how not to get scammed. Um, and then in addition to that, one of the things that we're doing, we don't always do this, but we know a lot of people need home stuff done. Plumbers, electricians, roofers, contractors. And so we are also compiling a list of what we're calling trusted vendors. If you have a business in the church, you have a friend that is a trusted vendor in the, in the church, people are looking, who can I call? Who's good? So if you are in that business, if you work for that business, or you have a friend that has that business, just this QR code is on our app, on our website. We're compiling a trusted vendors resource. That'll be a part of our thing on Friday. But we want to help get you the, need, the, the help that you possibly can. Again, we can't do this all the time, but this is our long-term relief. So if you want help, we got you. If you want to help, we got you. If you want to not get scammed, we got you. And if you want your business to be on a list with people where we can, hey, we, we do roofs, we do screens, we do tiles, we do lanai's. We got you. And so we're just trying to continue to be the umbrella and the hub. And just so you know, we've had about 50 organizations and over 200 churches partner with us as an umbrella over the last, um, over the last two weeks, in two and a half weeks, because of the way that you did what you did. We pray often that we would make Jesus famous and proud by what we do and how we did it. And my goodness, you do it. In fact, not just Lee County, not just Cape Coral, but the United States of America is telling Cape Christian stories right now because every single day, four to 600 of you showed up to say, here I am, how can I help? And you guys are making, you guys are being the church. And so thank you to every single volunteer who showed up, prayed, gave, did anything. It's incredible. So, um, and our offices are back open. If you have questions, if you have needs, 
Uh, you can call those things. Just so you know, if you call the help the office or if you call and say, I need help, we're gonna help direct you right to these things. But if you're not good with technology or you're, you don't get cell service at your house like I don't still, go to the Connect desk and we'd be happy to help you. So, um, so that's what's happened with the hurricane. Um, but it's important for us to remember, we live here, some of you maybe online you don't, is that just because we have power and we have water doesn't mean things are back to normal yet. And so we're in this until the last house, the last business gets what they need. That's what we're going to do. Um, I had both the city and the state said, you guys are so much more efficient than any government agency. And so we just said, thank you. Um, so please stay out of our way. Um, and so we're just going to keep being the church. I think uh, the ultimate dream of a church is to put the government out of business and the government would actually love that as well. If we take such good care of our city and our people, um, then we do that. And I, I want to just say, often you hear me say, my city, my responsibility man, thank you for putting your money where your mouth was. was. We really said if it's our city, then it's our responsibility, and it took every single one of you. So before the hurricane hit, we had a plan to do a series. We, we try to do this once a year where we do kind of what's called an expository series once or twice where we take a book of the Bible or a portion of Scripture, and we kind of go verse by verse, and we go through it. And so a year ago, we planned on doing the book of James. Um, and so we're going to kick that off today. It was going to be five weeks, five weeks, because it's five chapters, a chapter a week. Um, but what I'm going to do is we're actually going to make it six weeks, and I'm just going to give you part one of chapter one, and then I'm going to finish it next week, um, because it's, it's almost ironic. It's, it's funny. Marco talked about God's will, karma, whatever you want to call it out there. We call it, we know that God's sovereign and he's divine, um, because the kickoff to James's letter is kind of right up our alley right now. And so I want to give you part one. Next week, we'll do more history, more content, more teaching. But James has some really, really good words for us, I think, in light of what we've been through the last two and a half weeks. And, and you, may, you might be watching online and you haven't been through a hurricane, but I believe this will apply to whatever you're going through, whatever storms in your life, whatever challenges you may be facing as well. And so I'm going to dive into this. And we're just going to start the very beginning. But there are a couple things we have to know. Tomorrow I'll or next week, I'll show you a video. We'll give you more history and context. But there are some things you have to know about James that really add weight to specifically even the first five verses of his letter. First of all, here's what you need to know about James. He's the half-brother of Jesus. Half-brother, not whole brother, right? You guys know how that works, right? They had different dads. <laughs> That's how that works. Uh, had same mom, though. Um, so he was the half-brother. So he grew up with Jesus. Jesus was James's big brother. So he ate meals with him, shared a house with him. They had inside jokes. They did all their mitzvahs and all that together. They did all that together. Um, and also you should know, and it's really important to understand that James did not believe Jesus was the son of God, which that shouldn't be hard to figure out. What would you do if your older sibling says, hey, I'm the savior, I'm God. You'd be like, yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. You'd be like, no way. So it's not like, I'm not like hating on James for being like, Jesus is like, you know, Jesus was too humble to say I'm God. But if you ever do like, I'm God, like, okay, God, make your bet, you know, whatever. Um, <laughs> So James didn't believe Jesus was the son. He believed he was his brother, whatever. He didn't believe he was the son of God until um, after the resurrection, after Jesus said, I'm going to die and come back. And it, he resurrected and then he ascended to heaven. Then James had this like epiphany, like, oh my goodness, my brother's God. Um, and so, uh, so then upon that, like it all kind of clicked into place for James. And so he became a powerful apostle. In fact, he kind of was the, uh, uh, the first pastor and pioneered the church of the Jews of Jerusalem. 
because Peter and Paul went and told the Gentiles and they went all over and they had their letters, but James became the pastor of the church in Jerusalem. And here's why that matters. Because in those days, Rome was the superpower. And so the Jews, Israel, was already majorly oppressed by Rome. They were way under the the thumb of Rome. Um, Rome controlled everything. They taxed them 70 to 90%. They just let them have their little religious festivities as long as they still paid homage and taxes to Caesar and all that. So you have the Jews that are like persecuted and oppressed by Rome. But then Jesus showed up and said, "Um, I have accomplished all of the law and the prophets and you don't need the temple system anymore. Stop doing Passover. Stop doing all this other stuff. I am the Passover. I am the bread of life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. So we can just stop that now and I have something better. Just love people the way I did. If you just do that, we'll be good. So the Jews hated him. And James took on his mantle and pastored the Christians so now you have the Christians, the first Jesus followers in, 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 in James's day were not only oppressed by Rome, but they were also persecuted and oppressed by their own people who were oppressed by Rome. Dude had it rough. Like he lived, like we lived that hurricane for nine hours. Like he lived in it, which by the way, when I moved here, they didn't tell me like hurricanes don't move. <laughs> what was that? Nine hours of 150 mile an hour winds. The board did not put that on the job description when I said yes five years ago. So, but what you need to know about James is James led the first church of Jerusalem um, and he was a big part of it. So you have to understand that James, now James, here's what I love about James. James might be my favorite book of the New Testament. James is fanatically practical. Okay, James didn't come to introduce new theology. He didn't come to teach you history and context and wow you. James basically is like, I wanna be like super honed in and practical about how you just follow Jesus. Like here's the need to knows. It's the whole book is like haymaker after haymaker. And in fact, James is basically comprised of two books. He took the teachings of Jesus, but more specifically the Sermon on the Mount, which is Matthew 5, 6, and 7 of the New Testament and the book of Proverbs of the Old Testament. So if you take Jesus' Sermon on the Mount and the book of Proverbs and just go, and you strip all the fat and all the meat, you basically get the book of James. And so that's why like every three or four sentences is just like, dude, that's so deep. And you're like chewing on it. And then he's like, oh yeah. And another thing you're like, whoa, I'm still on this. And now you're talking about this. That's kind of how James reads. Um, And so, which is also why I'm going to take two weeks and take chapter one. Uh, And so James is basically Jesus and Proverbs, like wisdom and God, like pretty good. And his whole point, his whole focus is basically, he's like, I don't, I don't have time to play games. I'm just here to talk about things that last, which James, according to James is God and his word. And so James is, it's, it's meat, but it's like, man, if you want to like, how do I accelerate my following of Jesus and Christianity? Like just start memorizing James. In fact, that was the one book of the Bible. When we used to run leadership college, we would have people memorize mostly because it was attainable, but also like, if you could wrap your mind and heart around it, like it would, if it got in you, it would transform you. So So James, the brother of Jesus, writes a letter, and also different than most of the New Testament letters, he's not writing to a specific church like Corinth or Thessaloniki or or Philippi uh, or even the new believers in Rome. He's he's actually writing to the 12 tribes who have been scattered because of the massive um, the massive uh, persecution like that we talked about about 70 AD. So the tribes are scattered. And so he's like, I'm just getting word out to all the Jews and the Jesus follower. He's pastoring the Jews and the Jesus followers. And so he starts his letter and he goes like this. And we're just gonna, we're just gonna uh, park our car at one little spot today. And it's so perfect for what we've lived the last two and a half weeks. So he starts his letter with this. James, verse one, chapter one, a servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. That right there is impressive. 
Because if I was James and I wrote a letter, mine would have went like this. Y'all know me. You're his friend, but I'm his brother. You know him. I know him better. You're close to him. I'm closer. Get at me. What? Like, that's how mine would have been. Something along those, like, lines, which is probably why God has never asked me to write a book or definitely not add to the Bible. Um, <laughs> but James, I think it's really important to understand. James, if anybody could have chosen to say, you know me as James, the brother of Jesus, and he could have even said, I didn't even believe he was who he said he was. But James foregoes his closeness to Jesus as a brother, and he just says, I just want you to know I'm a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, as an older brother, I've been trying for 40 years to get my brother to say that. And he has, I, I mean, I grew up in church. It's not happened. So like, wow, that's like remarkable that James would introduce himself. And it also tells you what you need to know about James because everybody he wrote this letter to, they knew who he was. So wow, the posture of his heart. And then he says this to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations. And then his, this is his intro sentence, which is crazy. He says, consider it all or consider it pure joy my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. What? I don't want to keep reading. <laughs> James comes out of the gate with, hey, guess what? Consider it joy when hard times come. Consider it joy when you face a challenge. Look at it with pure eyes of joy when hard times meet your life on a collision course. It helped me to learn the context of James because when I read that, I'm like, well, who is this guy and what does he know? Oh, okay, persecution from Rome, persecution from the Jews, like everybody hated him, Jesus' brother. Okay, dude knows hard times. That's where I'm like, okay, go on, James. But it's important because James outlined something here in the very beginning of his sentence that we should understand. And I don't know that we've always done the best job of this when we talk about following Jesus is that the moment we decide to follow Jesus, the moment you decided to say yes to Jesus is the moment you should probably expect trials and tribulation to begin. Because there's a spiritual battle going on on this planet, whether you like it or not and want to be a part of it or not, and you're caught in the crosshairs. And so one of the things I tell people when I'm discipling people, if you just got saved, expect things to get harder. Because the devil's going to try to strip you of your salvation and go, if God was good and this was harder, because it's going to do what James is about to say, but there's a devil who would have rather you stayed where you were, unsaved, broken, hurt, bitter, all those things, addicted. And so expect him to kind of rally the troops in your direction because he's kind of ticked about the, the move you're making. I can't tell you how many people I've led to Jesus, how many times I've made major strides, and it's like, that's when the car breaks down, that's when the hurricane hits, that's when the, the, the fight happens with the whoever so-and-so. Why? James said it's going to happen. But here's what James goes on to say. He says, consider it pure joy. Well, what's he talking about? Well, he's going to tell us why. He's going to say, here's why you can look at it with joyful eyes. Verse 3 and 4, he says, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. I think, if, I think if anybody could say something, James would say, you're not going to make it very far if you don't have a little grit to you. Perseverance is going to be required to follow my brother on his path, the dude who gave up his life in humility. He says, the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And this is the best part right here because James is actually talking with the end in mind. He knows where he wants you to go and who he wants you to be. He says, so let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. 
See, James isn't saying like, hey, let's throw a party when hard times come. He's saying this is all about being mature and complete. And what he's saying is everybody wants to be mature and complete, and I got grit, and I can grind, and I can persevere. And he says, I'm sorry to tell you this, but the only way that's going to happen is if trials come your way, if hard times come. So he's not saying do cartwheels for, for, for trial's sake. He's saying if you choose to let it, it will make you bitter, it will take you out, and your life will be worse because of it. Or, but if you choose to, it can actually develop a perseverance in you. And now all of a sudden you can become more mature, more complete version, say whole, like you've never been lacking nothing. See, we want the whole mature lacking nothing, but we don't want the trials that go with it. I do. I have no problem admitting that. I want to be strong and not go to the gym. (laughs) I want to be healthy and eat whatever I want. I want to be tough and not go through hard times. I'm just, I can't be alone. Am I the only one? Okay, thank you. Mark is with me. Pizza. Let's go. You and me after church. But we got to go to the gym, Mark. We do too, right? That's, that's our human nature. But, 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 but James is offering us what's really, really important when hard times come is, is perspective. And so James says, consider it joy because what he, here's what James, let me, let me kind of put some words in James's mouth or maybe, maybe put it in our language. He says, um, Take advantage of the opportunity if you're in an unfortunate situation where things you didn't hope or plan for find, your, find its way to you. He says, if that happens, you have an opportunity to leverage it and take advantage of it, and it can make you more mature, more whole. In fact, you could, you could fast forward some maturity. You can fast forward some wholeness. You can fast forward some completeness. If you choose to do what this, what you could, it, it, it could be a curse, but it can be, dare I say, a gift. And James is saying, choose to look at or a gift because when hard times come, two things that you have to strive for, the most important thing, let me put my life coach hat on for a second. The most important thing you can grab right now is balance and perspective. If you can fight for balance and fight for perspective, you're gonna, you're gonna start to heed the words of James and you're gonna find yourself becoming mature and whole and you're gonna lack nothing. And so um, we got about 10 minutes left. And so here's what we're gonna do. Instead of go through the rest of James, I want to talk about trials for a second. So let's imagine for a second, we just drove to a building called Trials and we parked our car and now we're going to get out and we're going to unpack this because here's what James knew. He's writing to the 12 tribes. Remember, that's important. That's the second verse or the second line. So here's what the 12 tribes all know. They memorized the Old Testament. They had to in their school. Even the dumb ones did. (laughs) They did. They all did. Sorry. So he already knows what they know. And so he doesn't have to say certain things because he knows what they know. Here's what he knows that they know that maybe you don't know that they know. And so when we park this, why would he even have the audacity to say that? Because James knew when trials came, you had to strive for balance and strive per per perspective. And there's a biblical term that nails this, that we've, we've redubbed it in psychology, but it's kind of the same principle over and over. And it's this principle or this idea of lament. In fact, there's an entire book called Lamentations, Uh, but really the king or the chief of lamenting wasn't even the book of Lamentations author, but it was King David. And lamenting is this idea of, I'm going to agree with the devastation and reality of my current reality, yet I'm going to have the faith to latch onto that this isn't all there is. It's that balance of this stinks, but God is still good. Well, hold on, which is it? No, see, immature people ask that question. Unwhole people, people who lack things ask that question. David, King David, 
was the perfect example. And James would say, actually, it's both. And so this idea of lament. So let me just give you just a, the, a snapshot. Just as this is just the, this would pass the one-on-one class in seminary of what lamentations is, lamenting. First of all, the idea of lament, and this is what I want to give you permission to do in the next few days or weeks. I don't want you to do this for the next 10 years, but you need to do this first. It's the idea of feel it before you fix it. Feel it before you fix it. Dads, sometimes our kids need us to feel it before we fix it. Husbands, easy ladies, jeez. <laughs> if you're online, mm, like it came from everywhere. Can I finish? Our wives need us to feel it before they fix it. In fact, this is the craziest part I still don't get. Half the time, they don't even want us to fix it. And I'm like, then why are you telling me? But we're not talking about that this weekend. <laughs> Dr. Amy Singh right here, I can't wait to hear your just thoughts on all of this. Um, feel it before you fix it. So who do I feel it to? Well, can I not Facebook? It shouldn't need to be said, but I pastor a large church. It needs to be said. <laughs> Let me tell you who you do feel it to. You feel it to your heavenly father. That's what lament is. Perfect picture. David gives us this perfect picture in Psalm 142, verses one and two. He says this, I cry aloud to the Lord. I don't run to my husband. I don't run to my wife. I don't run to social media. I don't run to my boss. I don't even run to my, I cry aloud to my heavenly father. And he says, I lift my voice before the Lord. What does he say? Is it, is it praises and stuff? Nope. I pour out before him my complaint, and before him I tell my trouble. Lament is permission to acknowledge with the reality that you're experiencing. It's biblical, it's psychological, it's holy, it's healthy, and it's honoring God, and it's honoring your soul to go, this stunk. I lost pictures, I lost part of my home, I lost comfort, I was afraid for my life. Grief always accompanies loss, and we can't move forward if we don't give ourselves permission to grieve. And the greater the loss, the greater time and space we need to grieve. How am I doing now, Dr. Amy? That was better? Okay, thank you. <laughs> so lament starts with crying out to God. And David doesn't say, well, praise you, you know, just if I have enough faith, speak it into existence. Okay, whatever. But he's like, no, I'm going to complain. I'm going to tell you my trouble. I hate that this is happening. I wish I wasn't in this situation. So that's, that's the crying out to the Lord. And here's what you need to know about lament. Lament always has two, two parts to it. This is, and this is the beauty of the perspective and balance. It's a though and a yet. Follow me on this. Though is the reality I'm experiencing. In the Bible, it would sound something like, though my enemies may slay me, though a hurricane just crashed our town, Though I just lost my job, though I just broke up with my significant other, though I, I, I don't know what I'm going to financially do, though is permission to grieve and acknowledge the reality of what you're in. But the yet is the pointing to the perspective of there's still a God in heaven who is a good God and knows how to take care of his children and can, can turn something good into this. So, but you got to start with though, because so, hyper-spiritual people just want to go to yet. No, 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 don't do that. And depressed people and, and people who are negative, they just want us to just live in though. Let me tell you, let me lead you. We're not going to live in though, but we're not going to acknowledge it. And we're not going to jump to yet, but we are going to get there. It's both and in a world that would require you to be either or. That's what maturity and wholeness is. So though, David gives a beautiful picture. Let me cruise through this. Psalm 42 is actually a song. It's like verse, chorus, verse, chorus. And you're going to see him do his though 
and then he's going to come to yet, and then he's going to go back to though, and he's going to come back to yet, because some mornings you're though, and you give it to God, and you're feeling good, and then all of a sudden it hits you again, and you got to go back to though, and you got to go back to yet, and you got to go back to though, and you got to go yet, back to yet, and so I could, here's what we could have done. We could have thrown a pep rally. I'm a pretty inspiring guy. I could have cheered you up. We're going to take over the city. We're going to do that, and we are, but that's, this week is though. Right now we got to I drove, through, I drove through streets where there's trash on every residence and it's everything they owned. And it's all the drywall that was mudded three feet up. And so we're gonna grieve that for a minute. And we can grieve it while we move forward, but, but permission to be bummed, permission to grieve the loss. It's why we're working with Samaritans and Cornerstone and counseling and we're working on all these extra things, all of our friends, so we can just help us do that. David does it like this. Watch this. Psalm 42. He says, my soul thirsts for God. This is David kind of complaining, going like, I used to hang out with you, but where in the world are you is basically what he's saying. Where can I go to meet with God? I can't find him. My tears have been my food day and night. That sounds horrible. While people say to me all the way day long, they mock me. Where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul. I used to go to the house of God. I used to be protected by the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise, but no longer. That's his though. That's verse two, three, and four. But then watch this. He switches to yet in verse five. He says, my, my, why are you so downcast, O my soul? Why are you so disturbed in me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him. Why? Oh, because he's my savior and God. Then he goes back into it. And he's like, but though, and he goes six, seven, eight, and verse nine, he comes back and says, I will say to him, God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taught me all day long saying, where's your God? Where's your God? That's his though. But then he comes back to the chorus. Why, my soul, are you all so downcast? Why are you so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior, my God. Though and yet. So we parked that. James says, consider it joy. James knew they knew this. They memorized it. They would sing. They would actually sing these songs as they went from town to town. That's how it was in those days. And so he, when we parked it, how can J James say, consider it joy when you face trials of many kinds? Because he knows if you lament properly, if you grieve properly, if you hold on to your faith and acknowledge the reality, there's a maturity and a wholeness and actually a hope that comes from it. Paul says it like this way later in the New Testament in the book of Romans, when he's talking about challenges, he says it this way. And we know that in all things, watch this, God works for the good of those who love him and who've been called according to his purposes. Now you have to hear what this says. This does not say everything that happens is good. That's not what Paul is saying. What Paul is saying is if we lament properly, if we though and yet, if we let this run its course in our lives, God can make something good come out of it. He can bring something better than was before. It may not be the same. It's not a going back, but it's a moving on together and moving forward. Not everything that happens is good, but everything that happens can have good come out of it if God is still the yet in our life. And so that's the name of the game. That's all. I think that's all James would say to us today, this week. We'll get into the rest of it next week. But this week, permission to lament, permission to though, permission to grieve. 
and, and this is what some of you need to hear. I know for you it's not as bad as it is for somebody else, but it's still bad and it's still your story and it's still yours. So give your soul permission to be there. It's okay. If you're there in five years, we'll help you out of that. That's probably not healthy. But give yourself five minutes. Give yourself five days. And so I've encouraged my whole staff, debrief with somebody. Tell your story. Whether you sat through it, whether you were worried somewhere else, wondering what you'd come home to. If you tell you, it's, that's part of the lamenting. And if you get a little peeved at God, David did, and he, the Bible says he was at God's heart. Just come back to the yet. Come back to the word and let it mature you and complete you and make you whole. And when you do, you can actually find a hope and a joy and a peace that doesn't make sense, that will turn your life towards the good and other people's lives towards Jesus. Paul said it this way, as he finished his letter to the Romans later on in that same letter, he left them this benediction that I want to leave with you. He says this, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust him so that you may overflow with the hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Cape Christian, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and all peace as you trust him so that you may overflow with hope. Do you know what God wants you to do even in the middle of this trial? He wants you to overflow with hope. I feel down. I don't know if I can go on. You know what you need to say? Fill me, God. Fill me, God. And you know what? If you ask for God to fill you, this is what he's going to do. It doesn't just say he's going to fill you. What does it say? You will. Okay, God, I'm full. Okay. But God, I'm full. I got it. I, I got the hope. I got the, okay. This is the beauty of God. See, the filling, that's for you. But the overflow, that's for them. God wants to fill you with so much that it blesses somebody in your life. He wants to fill you with so much hope, so much joy, so much peace that it doesn't just change your perspective, that it doesn't just shift your hope, it doesn't just help you find balance, that the people around you are like, every time I'm around him, I feel like I'm touched by God. That's just the overflow. You ain't all that. <laughs> you ain't. But he is. And so this is my prayer. This is Paul's benediction. I believe these would be James's word to us. Cape Christian, may the God of all hope fill you with all peace and all joy as you put your trust in him so that you will be overfilled with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. If this is all new information to you and you're like, man, I, this is crazy. I don't even understand it, but I want to know more. I, I think I'm interested in this Jesus thing. Text us this week. Text Cape Yes to 94,000. Um, we'd love to pray with you. We'd love to, to lead you in that. We'd love to make room for that. But this week, let's lament. And next week, we'll tackle the rest of James chapter one. If you need somebody to talk to or pray with, need somebody to listen to, to tell your story, we got pastors in the lobby. We got a ministry team in the prayer room. We got an online uh, prayer team as well that would love to do that for you. But I just want to pray over you that you would walk out of here with hope and peace and joy. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your truth. God, I pray that you would help us to find the joy in this, that you would help us to use this to make us mature and complete. We don't love that this happened, but we love the opportunity before us. And God, I pray for every single one of my friends and family listening, that you would fill us with all joy and all peace so that we may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.